I just feel the presence of the Lord in this place today. And I, I, man, I don't even really know what to do right now. You're like, hey, Pastor, what are you doing? I don't know. I really don't right now. I'm just waiting on the Lord. So, and that's okay. And that's okay. All right. If you have your Bibles, I, I want to speak to you for just a few moments. We're going to go to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, if you don't know where that's at, it's probably in the middle of your Bible. On your phone, you want to put P-S-A-L-M in there, okay? Just so you know, if you're, if you're on, the, on the app. Psalm 118, that's in the Old Testament. This is a very uh, common scripture you hear a lot. You've heard a lot of, of preachers probably uh, quote this scripture. You've heard probably me quote this scripture. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember the song that we used to sing about this scripture. Um, but Psalm 118 verse 24 is where we're going to be. And it simply says this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. All right, I want you to do something with me. Everyone look at the screen with me. Let's, let's, let's read it together. Here we go. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's read it again. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, let's pray real fast. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord. For that, it, that it pierces our hearts. God, I pray today, Lord, you would use me as a vessel today. God, let this, these lips of clay, Lord, bring forth your word in a way that only your spirit can lead and guide me today. I pray, Lord, that souls would be, uh, would be changed today, Lord, that lives would be changed, Lord, that your manifest presence, Lord, would be in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray it. everyone said amen. This is, my, this is my subject today. This is my subject today. This is the day. Everyone say that with me. This is the day. Uh, I'm going to read that again. It says in, in Psalm 118, it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is what I want you to do. I want you to put your finger in your Bible and hold that or put something in there. Put your gum wrapper in there. Put a tithing envelope in there. Uh, whatever. Just mark that. We're going to come back to that. If we don't get back around to that, guess what? I cut it short, all right? Uh, now, I want you to run with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And we're going to start at verse 28. And I'm just going to just start reading this story here of, of the story that we know as Palm Sunday. Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. When you have that one, say, I got it. All right. It says this. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, uh, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this. The Lord has need of it. Now, I could stop right there 
and preach a great sermon just on that little, that little quote right there. We won't go there. I, I will tell you this. When the Lord has an opportunity to use something that you have, he always returns it better than what, what you got it. All right? Well, I'm just going to leave that one right there. And you shall say this. The Lord has need of it. Verse 32. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that had been seen. Uh, verse 38, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, let me set the scene here for you. Okay, last week we talked about uh, John the Baptist and, and the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, right before he goes into the wilderness, he is, is, uh, he is there, he's baptized by John the Baptist, how John the Baptist, everything that John the Baptist was doing was pointing to repentance and pointing to Jesus. He was leading the way. And so here we are, that's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. From there, he went into the wilderness, and there he fasted, and there the devil tempted him, and there, out of that, he would start his earthly ministry. Now let's fast forward three and a half years, okay? So here we are, Jesus' ministry, three and a half years, right here. Here's Jesus on his way into Jerusalem, triumphantly coming down Mount Olives, 2,600 uh, uh, feet elevation is about what Mount, the Mount of Olives is. And coming in and you got a peripheral, you got a good view. For those of you who have been to Israel know this, you got a good view of Jerusalem when you come in. And he's just kind of in the suburbs, Bethany and Bethphage back there. And he's just kind of, and they're kind of working their way in. Okay, you guys with me? All right. And we know this. Uh, if we look at if we look at our scripture, there are 38 recorded miracles in scripture that Jesus performed. Okay, 38 that we know of. Now there are probably more than that because I'm sure the writers of the Gospels didn't catch every little thing that Jesus did. But but they at least brought those to us. And so and knowing that his in his three and a half years of ministry. Uh, had finally come to this moment. This was a pivotal moment. We have to understand as believers, this moment when he decided uh, to, to go into Jerusalem is a very pivotal moment for you and me today. All right? And so uh, he's, there he is, and Jesus by nature uh, was very meek. Now, meek does not mean weak. Some of us think that. Some of us believe that. But meekness is not weakness. It's actually strength. It's actually keeping yourself under control. All right, Jesus was, was a master of that. In Matthew 11, uh, 29, he would say this, I am meek and lowly in heart. That's what Jesus would say in Matthew uh, chapter 11. And one of the only times Jesus would actually talk about himself and not his purpose of why he came. It's one of the only times where Jesus would say something about him and not his whole purpose of why he came. And in the time of his ministry, he would often pull away from the crowds. You know that. Jesus would often heal somebody, and then the crowds would begin to multiply, and he, he would just want to get away. How many want to get away sometimes? Some of you went away this spring break. I'm not jealous at all. Some of you, I saw your pictures at the beach and down in Tennessee, and you know what? 
it got cold one day and it rained one day here and the sun came out one day. No, I'm just, I'm not jealous. Anyways, but, but Jesus, he would do these, these miracles and then he would want to get away. And I think that there, there's a purpose to that because Jesus would go recharge his batteries. Some of us need to learn to pull away from people and go recharge our batteries. All right. And there, there's a good point. There's a great thing. If Jesus needed to do that, guess what? I need to do that. And you need to do that. Okay. So in the time of his ministry, he would, he would often pull away from the crowd. You remember when he fed the 5,000 and there they were. He, he multiplied uh, the, the bread and, and the fish and fed the 5,000. You remember what they told him. They said, hey, will you be our king? They were ready for him to be. You know what? All you got to do is feed people and they are already ready for you to be their king. There's a message in that right there. I'll just leave that one right there. And, and there they, they, they were like, hey, Jesus, we want you to be our king. And you know what Jesus did? He got in the boat and left. There was a purpose for that. It just wasn't his time. And, and, and he went across the sea. And why, uh, why would he come? And, and I begin to think about this, this, this Palm Sunday. Why would he come into Jerusalem the way that he did triumphantly, as, as, as big as it, as it was? Why would he allow people? He wasn't naturally, he didn't really want the limelight. He, he's, he's okay with it, but he wouldn't naturally go to it. He could have, but he, did, he would naturally just... Be like, I'm going to get it. But why would he come into Jerusalem so triumphant and drawing attention to himself? And I begin to think about that. And I'm, I'm going to give you two reasons real fast. And I've got a lot of points today, like seven. It's okay. Don't worry. I'm going to give you two reasons why I believe that Jesus would do this. And this, this, this is, I'm building a foundation. Just, just bear with me as I build this foundation, okay? We're going somewhere with this. Uh, the first reason that I believe that Jesus would come triumphantly into Jerusalem was, number one, was this, to fulfill pro- prophecy. To fulfill prophecy. That was, that was the number one reason I, I believe that he came in. He came in and, and Jesus would fulfill over 300 prophecies of the Old Testament. Some scholars say 436. You know what I say? All of them. Whatever was prophesied of him, he fulfilled it. Go back and look, at, look, at, look it up. And, and see, hundreds of years earlier, I, I love this. Daniel chapter 9 would prophesy of the day that the Messiah would come into Jerusalem. And, and honestly, I don't have the time to break it down. Uh, the Jewish year is a lunar year, which is 360 days, not compared to our solar year, which is 365.25 days. Okay, just so you know. And, and the, the prophet Daniel would prophesy to the day and give them the amount of years that it would be that, that the Messiah would come into Jerusalem. And guess what? When you calculate that, the time frame that that is, it is the exact day that Jesus got on a little colt and, and went into Jerusalem. Fulfilling prophecy. Now look at this, Zechariah uh, 9, uh, 9, and it, this is the one that we always, we always hear on Palm Sunday. It, it, Zechariah would prophesy this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt. The foal of a uh, donkey. Now there's something to be said about Jesus there. Uh, he came in humility, number one, because he came, he came on a donkey. He didn't come in a stallion. He didn't come with a sword in his hand, but he came on a donkey. Matter of fact, uh, there's something also to be said about his humility, but there's something also to be said about his authority there, because how many have ever ridden a young horse or a young pony or a young anything that has not been broken yet or tried to? I learned one time I had 
uh, I went to these people's house, and I was a young man, I don't know, maybe like 12 or 13 years old, and they had a pony, and I said, hey, can I ride, ride your pony? And they're like, sure thing. Just so you know, though, sometimes it bucks. I'm wise, so I'm smart. So I get on this pony, and, and, and they're leading me, you know, and, and this guy was so ornery because he knew that this horse would buck, and he started trotting and, like, running with the horse. And as soon as he did that, that horse took off bucking, and guess where I went? On the ground. And this guy was laughing at me. And so we know, we know that Jesus showed his authority by, by num- there's two things that showed his authority there, but, but literally he said, hey, he told his disciples, go there. There's going to be a colt. There's going to be a, a, a mom donkey and a, and a foal. Go grab them. And if they argue with you, tell them the Lord needs them. That's authority, number one. And then he also gets on an untamed colt and rides in peacefully. I don't remember the, any, anywhere in the uh, Gospels where it says Jesus was bucked off. All right. So that shows his authority. And, and Matthew's account would quote uh, this verse in Zechariah that I just quoted and predict him riding into Jerusalem. Here's the second reason that I, that I believe that Jesus came in triumphantly the way he did. Here's the, here's the second thing, is to do this, to initiate his purpose. To initiate his purpose. Number one, he was fulfilling prophecy. The second thing was to initiate his purpose. Now look, look at this. Uh, John uh, would say this in John 1. Uh, John the Baptist would say this. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When he saw Jesus, he would say this. When he was about to baptize, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You want to know Jesus' purpose? Take away your sins, take away my sins. That's why he came to earth. And when he came into Jerusalem on the week that he came in, the Passover week, he is there to initiate that process. He's there to start that. From that point, he had been doing miracles from afar. The Pharisees have been watching him. But he does something there that, that is amazing. Uh, look at this. It would be the Paso- he would be the Passover lamb for our sins, for your sins, and for my sins. You remember the Passover Right, when Moses and them, they were leaving Egypt, and, and Pharaoh would let them go, and then he would bring them back, and, he was, and, and all the plagues happened. And then finally, the Lord told him, he said, hey, those who don't have the lamb's blood over their doorpost, the death angel is going to come and take their firstborn, right? You know, the, well, Jesus would come and be the propitiation for your sins and my sins. He is the covering for us today. And that's what his purpose was. Jesus, by coming in on a donkey with people waving palm leaves and throwing their clothes and cloaks on the ground, would be solidifying who he was, his deity. He was initiating his purpose. And now look at this. This got the Pharisees talking, if you, if you read the account. See, in Matthew 26, 4, it says this. They were trying to wait. You can look this up. Uh, they were trying to wait. The Pharisees were trying to wait until after Passover to bring Jesus to trial. They were trying to get past the Passover week. And let me tell you why that's why that they were doing that. Because there were, you know, most scholars believe there were one to two million people that would flood the city of Jerusalem during the Passover festival. And they knew that Jesus had enough of a following that if they tried to put him on trial during that time, that there would probably be some sort of revolt, okay? And so knowing that, Jesus would initiate his purpose by further riding in on a baby donkey and then later proceeding to clear the temple. If you read in Luke's, Luke's uh, 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 version of the gospel there, it says basically that's what he did. He goes straight from there to the temple. 
and he clears the temple. Now, when he comes in, he, he cracks the whip, and he, he runs the money changers out of the temple, right? They were there profiting, and, and Jesus is like, no, 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 this, this is my father's house, okay? And this would ensure that he would be crucified and be the atonement for your sins and mine, okay? So those two things. So this is my, my, my first point that I want to talk to you about here of Jesus coming in, okay? Jesus coming in triumphantly. Number one, the crowd was cheering. The crowd was cheering. So, so we know that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this again. Luke 19, 28 through 44 says, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany he, uh, at the mount that is called Olivet, he, he, he sent two of, of, of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. You know, when Jesus said something, it's going to be just as he told you. There's a good point right there, amen. Uh, all right. And so as they, as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Verse 35, and they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And he rode along, and they spread their cloaks on the road as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all his mighty works that, had, that they had seen, saying, here they go. This is them cheering. Here's the crowd cheering. They're saying this. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The crowd was cheering. The crowd was cheering that day. Uh, verse 38 says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Matthew's account says this. They cried, Hosanna, which Hosanna, if you break that down, means this, save now. So they're crying out to Jesus, save now. Blessed is the king who comes. And while they're crying this out, you know, most, there, were, there was a mixed group, a mixed bag of people there. There were those who were looking for a revolution to overtake the Romans. There were those who were looking for economic power. There was people looking for different reasons for Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus came for one purpose, and that was to be the lamb that would be slain for our sins. Look at this. Many of those that were, that were there, and they were, they were crying to Jesus. They were saying, Jesus, help us with our military. Help us, give us strength, and help us to establish Israel again. And then there was those who were saying, help us economically. We're struggling. The Roman, uh, the Roman uh, Empire is, is taxing us to death. Help us to overcome them economically. Here's the next thing. Help us politically. Save now. Get us out of this mess. They're crying, Hosanna. And here's the thing that we need to know when they were cheering. No wonder when, it didn't, when he didn't meet their, their intent of those three things, they would turn their back on him later in the week. And how quick we are as believers to praise God one moment, and then by Wednesday we're already struggling with our relationship with the Lord. How often are we... Good with praising God and cheering God when things are going great. It's easy to praise God when things are going great. 
I paid off my car. Thank you, Jesus. I got my stimulus check. Thank you, Jesus. Right? We're excited. We're happy about that. You know, and, and good things happen. And, and, but, and it's easy to praise God in those moments. But wait until something doesn't go your way. Wait until God says, no, I'm not going to answer that the way you want it answered. And how you respond, wait until something doesn't go our way. It reminds me, uh, you know, our praise often turns from, from, from praise to whining, to griping. We're like my kids when they don't get their way, you know, with, with the Lord. And like, I, I didn't get my way, so I'm going to start whining. Oh, Jesus, why didn't you answer my prayer that way? Why didn't you do it the way that I wanted to, Lord? Why? Woe is me, Lord. But God's purpose is bigger than what we see and what we know. We have to understand that as believers. So Jesus' purpose was this. It was to establish his kingdom here on earth. And here's what we need to know. It was not a worldly kingdom because this is how I know it wasn't a worldly kingdom because guess what? Over 2,000 years later, his kingdom still stands today. No Political power, no government will stop the move of God or the kingdom of God. All right, they've tried, they've tried, they've tried, they've tried. It's triumphant. It's still the number one selling book in the world. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. No demon in hell can stop it. Can I tell you, God's kingdom will prevail. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise. That day the crowd cheered. They cheered and, 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 and Jesus' purpose was to establish his kingdom. And his kingdom, this is what we need to know, his kingdom is eternal. It's eternal. It's forever. We don't understand that because we're humans. We're not going to last in this body forever. We understand there is a beginning and there is an end. Matter of fact, I, I preached a funeral this week uh, of someone. And let me tell you something. In our lives, life's here for a second and when it's gone, the next. It's a vapor is what, 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 what James says. So that day the crowd cheered and, and, and they were moved. And the Greek word moved there is, is seos, which means to uh, where we get our word seismic from. And there in Jerusalem, when the people worshiped God, there was movement. And there was there was energy in the air. And there they are praising him. Now here's the, that we, we say that, the crowd cheered. Everyone say, the crowd cheered. Here's my second point right here. The Pharisees were sneering. The crowd was cheering. Number two, the Pharisees were sneering. All right? Look at this. Verse 39 says this. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I just think that's how they talked. I don't know. Maybe they didn't, but that's how I think they talked. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is, in, in essence, what they, the Pharisees were, were sneering. And this is, in essence, what they were saying that day. Hey, Rabbi, we're okay with your movement right now, but what we need you to do is chill a little bit. Because 
we're, hope, we're hoping at the end of Passover, we're going to take care of you. But right now, because there's like one to two million people here in Jerusalem, and on top of that, the Romans would know that this was the Passover week. Guess what they would do? They would send about 10,000 troops there in Jerusalem to make sure things were done in decent, decency and in order. So here they are. Here's the Romans, the Roman guards. And guess what? They see Jesus coming down and all these people waving palm branches at him, saying, Hosanna, save now. Blessed is the king. Jesus, don't let him say that. Don't let him say that because here's the thing. Once they get going, once they realize that this, is a, this may be an insurrection, guess what? They're going to squash us all. That's how the Romans work. They're going to take us out. And, and, and so we need to understand that. So, hey, Jesus, rebuke your disciples and these people. Tell them to stop praising you. Boy, there's nothing more than the enemy wants you to do than, than to stop praising God. Uh, I'll just leave that one right there. Uh, and here's the thing. Uh, they would say this. We aren't ready for an insurrection from the Romans. And, 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 and you are the guy. And, and we didn't necessarily pick you. So, so, so bring it down a notch, Jesus. Bring it down a notch just for this weekend. You got to get your people quiet. Have you ever been with a group of people and maybe they were too loud? I went to the movies once with my, with my kids and my nephew. I love him, but he's, he's or my brother-in-law, not my nephew. My brother-in-law, he's a great guy, but he's got a loud whisper. He's one of those guys that when he whispers, he can hear him all the way across the building, right, kind of thing. And we were, he was talking, and we were just having a good time. And next thing I know, the guy in front of us is very upset that we're that he's talking and, and you know, he said a few choice words to us and that's okay. But we but you know, and that's what that's in essence what the Pharisees are telling Jesus. Tone your people down. Calm it down. Calm it down. Now see, we need to understand something because the Romans, I, I'll give you a little perspective. The Roman guards, when a Roman general would defeat him and his armies would defeat a military entity, and they would kill 5,000 people, 5,000 people. That Roman general would be brought to Rome, be put on a white stallion, and be escorted into Rome, and they would have a huge parade for that general for killing 5,000 people. So I want you to think about this. So Jesus is coming in on a little donkey, a baby donkey. So while the Pharisees are struggling with that, the Roman guards are probably looking at this going, oh, this is your king coming in on a little donkey? Not much impressed with that. And that's what Jesus is. He comes in humility. He comes in humility. Uh, and, and, and so we know this. So here's the thing. And Jesus says this. They can't stop because if they stop praising me, the rocks will begin to cry out. Now that's a rock concert I think I'd like to see here. It would be the, the original Rolling Stones, right? <laughs> that was a good joke. You know that was. Come on. You know that was good. That was right, right off the top of my head. This is what we need to understand. God will get his praise. If we fail as the people of God to praise him, the rocks will cry out in our place. And I say, I'm not going to let any rock cry out in my place. 
I'm not going to let any rock cry out in my place. See, uh, and, and Psalms 150 says this, and I, I wrote this all in here. The whole, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 6, I think it's the whole chapter. It may not be. It says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with the loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Can you stand up and give God some praise in the house today? Is that okay? Can we do that today? Can we lift our voice? Can we lift our voice and say, God, we're going to praise you. No rock's going to cry out in our place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. So the crowd was cheering. The Pharisees were sneering. And they're telling him, Jesus, get your, get your crowd under control. Quiet them down. But this is what we know about Jesus. And I love Luke's, Luke's uh, a, a version of this because it says this. And we know this. Jesus' eyes were, were tearing. Look at this. Look at this. Luke uh, chapter, uh, verse 41 says this. Luke 19, 41 says this, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. So all of you who say that the guy shouldn't cry, Jesus did it. So I'm going I'm to stick with him, all right. If you see me up here weeping and crying, Jesus did it. That's my excuse, all right. Saying, would, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus is grieved here because there's, there's a couple things happening here. Number one, as the, as the crowd cheered, Jesus wept. He, he looked at the nation of Israel and saw that they missed their day. He saw that they missed their day. The promised Messiah was there. I told you I'm building a foundation. I'm going somewhere. Just, just bear with me. The promised Messiah was there and the Passover lamb was there. And every good Jew should have known that Zechariah prophesied in, in, in chapter 9 and verse 9 and knew what Daniel had said and should been have been able to calculate the time and been able to look at Jesus' life and to determine that he was the Messiah. 300 plus prophecies fulfilled and in the middle of fulfilling one, the nation would miss Messiah. Jesus is weeping. This is the day. Everyone say, this is the day. This is the day that had been prophesied and you missed it. And Jesus wept for Israel. Here's another reason that he wept. He looked at the people and saw hearts uh, that were filled with hip hypocrisy and iniquity. The very people that were praising him were about to yell crucify to him. The very people who were cheering him on were about to turn their backs on him. I like this. I found this, and, and uh, this quote by Wallace Vietz that says, a day of temporary, talking about Palm Sunday, is at best, says this, a day of temporary triumph, at worst, it's an illustration of how the fickle nature of the voice of the people. 
we want this. No, we don't want that. Kind of reminds me of, you know, when I go out to eat. I want this. Wait, no, wait. Before you take my order, I want that. Uh, it's a cheat day. I'll take the French fries. Do I want queso? You know I want queso. Come on. They were fickle at best, and they reminded me of, of how I am sometimes, and sometimes how our kids are, and sometimes how you are. We're fickle. God, I want this. Wait, no, wait, I want this. Wait, 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 I want this. I want this. And the people shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, would later be shouting, crucify him. Jesus knew it. So that's another reason he cried. Look at this. Here's another one. He looked ahead at the city of Jerusalem and saw her demise. He's, he knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. He looked ahead. Jesus would weep for Jerusalem, the city, because he would see in the near future that about 70 A.D. that the Romans would destroy the city. In, in 143 days, they would destroy the whole city, the whole temple, everything. They would wipe it out. Josephus would proclaim that about 1.1 million Jews would die in that besiege in Jerusalem. Jesus, seeing ahead, would weep over the loss of life in the city of Jerusalem. And he would weep over the nation and the, and the people's hypocrisy and the fall of Jerusalem. And the crowd was cheering, the Pharisees sneering, and Jesus' eyes were tearing. So the, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I, I want to show you something um, as, we, as we end here, something amazing. If you, if you have your fingers still at Psalms 118, you are awesome. You thought I forgot. I want to show you something here in Psalm 118 that I believe that the Lord, and I believe in this story, there is some practical, there's some practical, there's some simplistic, applicable things that we can take from Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now, I, I gave you a lot today. Some of you are like, I felt like I was drinking out of a fire hydrant, but that's okay. Listen, listen, I, there's, there's some things. Psalm 118 Go to verse, remember verse 24 says this. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And everyone say that with me. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Say it one more time. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You got that in your heart now? I want to show you something. I want to show you something. This this blew my mind when I was studying this. I, I never realized this. Never, I've, I've quoted that scripture a hundred times, but I didn't realize what it was pointing to. Look at this. Go back two verses. 22. 22 says this. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now that's talking about Jesus. Talking about the builders rejected. Talking about the nation Israel. They knew, uh, they, they knew the Messiah was supposed to come, but they missed the cornerstone. It says this. Verse 22 says this. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Verse 23 says this. This is the Lord's doing. You know what? God initiated it. God set it up. It is marvelous in our eyes. This should, this should make us go, whoa. I want to show you something. Psalm 118 was written way before Jesus' time. Here the psalmist is writing, that is the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now look at this. Verse 24 says this. This 
is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Knowing that the Jewish nation would turn its back on its Messiah, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. The psalmist would write of this day, talking about Palm Sunday, when his triumphant entry, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it because had he not come the way that he came, guess what? We wouldn't be free. We wouldn't be set free. And he set things into motion that would lead him to the cross and he would break sin forever and he would break hell forever. I don't know about you. You ought to stand up on your feet. You ought to give God some praise in this house. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day. Sit, sit down just a moment, just a moment. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Keeping you awake. I, want, I, want to, I just want to point out two things. And here's my two points. My two-point sermon right here. I gave you a mouth. I gave you a ton. But here's my whole points that I want to drive home from, from this Palm Sunday today. Is this. Here's what we have to do as believers. The first thing we have to do, we have to recognize is we have to recognize him. We have to recognize who he is. We have to see him for who he is. Not just lip service, not just waving palms, but knowing he is the Messiah. He is the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Matthew's account says this, and I like this, that the children led the way in worshiping Jesus. It says they were the ones waving palm branches first, and they were the ones saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What does that say for us? Jesus would declare in Matthew 18, 23, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like what? Children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean for us? We have to have childlike faith. When we worship God, we have to be like a child. Have you ever seen kids worship? It's pure. Man, when I see a, a, a child worshiping the Lord, it just breaks me down because I, I see a pureness to it. And listen, if we're going to worship God and we're going to know him and we're going to believe that this is the day that the Lord has made, we will rejoice. We're going to have to do it with a pure heart and pure intentions and we're going to have to do it with like a child. Not childish faith, but childlike faith. There's a difference. See, here's the question that I have for you. Are we like the Pharisees sneering at him? This happens from time to time, and I've been there, and you've been there. I can promise you, been in church a long time. Well, that's not deep enough theologically for me, TJ. It shouldn't be that simple. Childlike faith, just coming to Jesus. There should be more to that, right? But here's the thing. It's simple to recognize Jesus, recognize Jesus if we're looking for him. Who are you looking for? What do you got your eyes on? This Palm Sunday, are you worried more about what you're going to eat in a few minutes? Or are you worried more about seeing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? He's here today. He's pulling at your heartstrings. And, and, and listen, you ought to know him today. And here's what I know about when, I recognize, when you recognize things. My kids, my kids, if we're in the store somewhere and my kids get separated from me, and my wife's looking for me, and I'm off somewhere else, and they're doing something else. My kids can spot me 
from a long ways away. That little short bald guy over there, that's my dad. Dad, over here. You know why? Because they recognize me. And as believers, we need to have eyes to see the Lord and to be able to recognize him when he's in the building and when he's here and when he's at our hearts beck and call. Just like the kids leading the way of worship, Jesus on Palm Sunday, we too should be the ones leading the ways of worshiping him. All of us. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I have to recognize that to praise him. Recognize, hey God, this is your day. This is the day. Here's the second thing, real fast. Second thing. We must exercise our praise to him. We can recognize the Lord, but we have to put that into action. I see you, Jesus, but you know what? Today I'm tired. I'm a little wore out. But I'm going to lift my hands anyways. Because I recognize you. I know who you are. I'm going to proclaim who you are. I'm not just going to notice it, but I'm going to speak it with my mouth. I'm going to show you with my actions, Lord. I'm going to show you that I love you. Second part of that verse, this is the day the Lord has made, is I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know that takes action to do that. If you're going to rejoice, you're going to have to do it. You can't just say it, you got to do it. And here's the thing, you got to do it gladly. Oh, TJ, you told us to raise our hands again. I think that's long enough. Right? But you got to do it gladly with a, with a, a, a heart. The children led the way. And one thing I love about kids is that when, when they're into something, they're into it all the way. And they do it with gladness. And they're, they're happy about it. I love it because we have this swing in our house. And, and Novak will go out there and he'll get on the swing. And he's all by himself. And he'll twist that swing and twist that swing and twist that swing. And he'll hang on to it and just go, woo. And he'll just laugh and laugh. And I love to watch it. He's doing it with gladness. We ought to worship God with gladness and with pureness. Today on Palm Sunday, his triumphant entry into uh, Jerusalem, leading the way. I, we talked about preparing the way last week. We are talking about this is the day. This is the beginning of the atonement for you and me. We're going to walk through this this week. We're, uh, be, here, be here Friday night. We're going to have a, a good Friday service, a communion service. And I've got a seven-point sermon I'm going to preach. I'm not lying. I promise it won't be long. Oh, you say that all the time. Be glad about it. <laughs> Today, we as a church, God's people must lead the way of exercising our praise to him. Sometimes it's tough to lift up praise to the Lord. Sometimes things aren't going the way that we think that they should go. Sometimes we're like the Pharisees and we're sneering instead of cheering. I really don't feel like worshiping today. Can I tell you this? I'm going to give you an example, and I'm going to do a quick altar call. Paul and Silas were in prison. They begin to praise God. They begin to worship the Lord in prison, being bound. Probably many believe that when they were bound, they were, they were stuck in disposition, couldn't stand, couldn't sit down somewhere in between, uncomfortable in a prison, Stinky, chained. Guess what? You, when you go to the bathroom, it's right there. 
there they were. And you know what they begin to do in that moment, in a stinky situation, they begin to worship God. They begin to sing praises to God. They begin to praise God. No matter how bad it looked, no matter how bad it stunk in there, they still begin to praise God. And look at this. They begin to, as they begin to worship the Lord, God began to change the atmosphere where they were at. And you know the story. There was a great earthquake and their chains were broken and they were set free. And I'm here to tell you today that as a church, if we will exercise these these two things, if we'll recognize Jesus, number one, recognize him and exercise our praise to him, he'll do abundantly anything that we could ask. Amen. Do you believe that today? Bow your heads with me all across this building. I want to just bring two things to you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you need to know him today. Have you recognized him? He wants to come into fellowship with you. We're going to talk about on Good Friday what he did on the cross. And next week we're going to talk about how he beat hell, death, and the grave forever. But you need to know that he did that on your behalf because he wants a relationship with you. If you don't know Jesus today, can I tell you this, that God cast a vote for you, the devil cast a vote for you, you hold the deciding vote today. And if you don't know him as your personal savior, I I just want to add this, if nobody in the history of the world ever ended up in heaven accidentally, if you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to have a relationship with God, you're going to have to do it with intention and purpose. So... You need to know that. So today, under the sound of my voice, you say, hey, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior, but I want to know him. I don't want to call you out. I'm not going to call you up front or anything like that. We're not here to embarrass you. We just want to pray with you today. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus, I want to give you a moment to raise your hand. All, anyone in the building today. Anyone in the building as we wait just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just a moment, just a moment longer. Don't miss your moment. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. You trying to scare me, Pastor? No, it's a true reality. Anybody? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Will you pray this prayer with me? Bible says all who are called upon who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's let's call on his name today. Lord, I ask you Jesus to be the Lord of my life. That you would forgive me of all my sins. God, I admit that I am a sinner. I believe Lord that you died and that you rose again and that you're coming again. Lord, I confess to you all my sins, all my wrongdoings, and I ask you, Lord, to be the Lord of my life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that one soul today? Kevin's rejoicing right now. Now, real fast, I got, you know, just a moment here. I want to talk to you if you're a believer, which I'm Assuming that most of you are believers then who didn't raise your hand. 
I have a question for you. Are you recognizing him? Are you exercising your praise to him? That's not a, that's not a word of punishment. That's not a mean word. I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a word of self-observation in ourselves. Can we do this? Will you stand with me all across this building? Say, maybe I, you've been struggling with that. This is what I want to do corporately. Not calling anybody out here. Corporately, together. Can we do this? Can we lift our hands? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, say it again. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on and give him praise in the house today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we honor you. Thank you today for your patience and for your love today. And I believe that was timely, and I believe that was for us as believers. So.